Vegas Nation is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app today and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for Takeaways with me, Heidi Fang. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Takeaways podcast here for Vegas Nation. It's Heidi Fang, and right now I'm joined by PFF's Austin Gale. And I can't wait to be able to dive into some things here with you because for a long time, PFF has kind of mystified me in just terms of numbers, how things work, how you guys arrive at these numbers. So first of all, thank you for taking the time to join me today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Secondly, let's get into it here. The numbers. What? How did PFF come to be? What was the uh, like the basis of how this whole thing got started and, and grading and rating the players? Yeah, it uh, all starts from our founder, Neil Hornsby, who's actually from the UK. And, you know, he was a big American football fan and felt that you know, there just wasn't enough data available to the average fan or even to teams, really, that better evaluated players, right, and was more predictive. So, you know, this, you know, 20 years ago, we weren't talking about even missed tackles, drops, pressures, um, you know, these different things that like pressure, you know, pressure rate and all that stuff. And then in addition to that, he wanted to grade every single player on every play from a scale of negative two to positive two at 0.5 increments. And then from there, normalize that to, you know, a zero to 100 scale for ease of understanding, right? So people could see 90 versus 80 rather than like plus 12 and a half versus like minus 1.5. And, um, you know, that's really led to a lot of success working with NFL teams, working with college football teams and providing that same data um, so that they can evaluate players better and, and make trades better and all that stuff, but also provide that same data to consumers, right? People that play fantasy football, people that bet on games, want more predictive data beyond touchdowns and yards per carry. So you know, as P- PFF continues to evolve, you know, so much of what we're going to do is collect, analyze, and you know, leverage data that we feel is more predictive in predicting future player performance, future team performance, and, and all that stuff. So when you get into it, because I, this whole thing started because I had an offensive lineman on and he was talking about the numbers and he was saying like, that doesn't mean it's indicative of anything that I'm really doing on the field. So when you come into looking at the things like for guys who aren't necessarily throwing every pass or that aren't catching every ball, like how do you arrive at the numbers for a, like an offensive lineman, for instance, like let's yeah, take a so- tackle. <laughs> exactly. So for offensive tackles, you know, it's split up obviously in run blocking, screen blocking, and then pass protecting. With run blocking, it's you know three different analysts that are looking at every single player on every single play and creating a baseline expectation for what that tackle is supposed to do on that play, right? If he's the backside of his own, it's you know cutting off a guy or whatever it may be. And it's you're grading him from negative two to positive two on what, you know, zero being his expectation. Like if he just hits expectation, it's zero. If he decletes a guy, it's a plus one. If he misses a block and, you know, falls down, it's maybe a minus 0.5. And you're doing that for every run blocking play. And then for pass protection, you know, you're getting a zero. If you don't allow pressure, you're getting, you know, a 0.5. If you pick up an extra guy off a stunner or things like that, you're getting a minus one. If you get beat right off the snap and give up a pressure, even if he's not sacked. So offensive linemen actually our grading is really, really predictive because you're grading so many more events, right? Every single play, you're either winning or you're losing. Did you block the guy or did you not? And where our grading, I think, still needs to improve more is off ball, right? Like a safety, a safety that maybe doesn't 
make more than two tackles in a game? How are you grading them effectively and all that? Right. Kind of offensive linemen, defensive linemen, quarterbacks, um, th- those, those players get graded so consistently and are, are in these like binary matchups of winning and losing so consistently that those grades are actually really predictive in some of our best. How do you guys log all of this stuff into producing the numbers? So you take like, let's like you mentioned the D cleats plus one plus one, and then mm-hmm. you have the formula that goes along with the rest of the stats. So when you are, have finally compiled that number per person, how do you get all of the data to arrive at the one number that would go yeah. into a system and then you continue to add or subtract from that number? How does that work? Yeah, so the, all the data is inputted into you know a backend software that we've built in hand, and that is run through three different people, right? First person who looks at the film, second person looks at the film, and then a third person looks at the film, and then you're like have someone reviewing those three uses and identifying the mismatches on that and all that type of stuff, and then from there it's put through an algorithm really that just like puts the the grading on a, di- a normal distribution, right? So you know the best player in the NFL is a plus 20 in a game and the worst players minus 15, you're like distributing that across a normal bell curve. So that way you can put it on a zero 100 and say 90.5 versus an 80.4 and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's also, you know, like the algorithm also is to pick up where you line up, right? It's easier to create pressure as an edge defender than it is for, you know, a defensive tackle, right? Cause you're playing more in a phone booth and stuff like that. So it does like alignment and assignment is so important in creating that baseline expectation, right. Of how often should you create pressure and all that stuff. Oh, this is all fascinating to me. And I love this so much. I'm kind of a nerd about stats when I go through everything and, you know, it's how people create a lot for fantasy football. It's how people create a lot of what they rank people as they look at a team as a whole. So when you, start this uh, process of player by player and the, the grade that they get, does it start with them at the college level? Does it start with them at the pro level? Where does it start for each individual? Yeah. So it definitely starts at the college level, right? We started grading all college football in 2014, I believe, and have been grading the NFL since 2006. We've also done some high schools and have worked with high schools a little bit. The, the difficulty there is that you just don't have the film access you get in college in the NFL. So it makes it that much harder to kind of review tape and get that on time and all that kind of stuff. But college in the NFL is kind of where all this process starts. And I think it's important to call out too, that you know PFF's grading system is very much production grades, right? It's not necessarily, you know, obviously they're more predictive than passer rating or yards per carry or receptions and all that stuff, but it's still a descriptive stat, right? It's like if the player earns a 90 point, sixth grade on the season that doesn't mean he's a great player that just means that season he graded really well right it's similar to like if a quarterback throws for six thousand yards in a season does that mean he's a great player no it's like okay he just threw for six thousand yards is that indicative of maybe him having more future success yes but it's not necessarily like an end-all be-all and i think sometimes you know, PFF grades can be viewed that way, right? Sometimes PFF grades can be like, oh, Jalen Ramsey got an 81.1 in that game. Is he suck? It's like, no, it's more speaking to his production, right? Looking at his production as a player and all that kind of stuff. They're definitely still production grades that just have high, you know, higher year-over-year correlations, positive correlations to future success than other stats like yards per carry and things like that. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. What's the 
most interesting position to really take note of and to try to grade as an analyst and like how how does each game kind of make it more interesting for that position? Yeah, I think quarterbacks obviously the most interesting because you're asking them to do so much. But I think outside of quarterback, you know, I, w- I would argue that it's a lot of these off ball positions, right? Linebacker, safety, box safety, and it's, you know, flowing to the football, but not always making the play because there are people in front of you. Like it's very difficult to, you know, like you know, when you're grading those players, they're at, they can do so many different things, right? An off ball linebacker has to react to the run, play the play action, has so many different assignments. Whereas like an offensive tackle and pass protection is, doing the same thing every time, you know, you don't let the guy in front of you give up pressure, right. Whereas an off ball linebacker is asked to just do so much. I do think that, you know, the further you get away from the football, I think the more interesting and, and so you know, honestly, the more difficult it gets to grade effectively. Sure. Sure. So as we look into the NFL draft, like you said, you've been grading players for a long, long time. When you start to look at the stats and especially because of like the COVID year having taken away, how does that work into the average? Do you just look at the games played period First of all, with the COVID year kind of example, I think it's difficult, right? I don't think you can only look at the, you know, with COVID, you have to like take it with a grain of salt. Like, you know, if a player has nine touchdowns in a game, mm-hmm. there's context to that, right? Like, it's not just like, oh, like, well, maybe he went against a really bad corner or something like that. Like, there's, there's, you, you know, the grades don't like any stat, right? Don't like immediately bake in context as much as, you know, they're not opponent adjusted, right? So at the collegiate level, a 99.9 graded player in the FCS is not the same as even like an 80 graded player in the SEC, right? They're not opponent adjusted until, you know, the mathematicians here at PFF will adjust those things and move those things around so that we can be more predictive, obviously in player evaluation for the draft. So as a, as an analyst, like I look at your Twitter, I say a lot of things like with averages and like you mentioned, you know, um, yards, after the catch reception, things like that. As an analyst, like how, how did you determine what categories would be the most important for each position? Is it just based off of, you know, the standard? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, so what what I look for specifically in in college draft evaluation is identifying stats that are more predictive going from college to NFL. A lot of those stats are arm length, 10 yard split, like stuff that we've been looking at for a long time, obviously evaluating players, but you know, in the college level, PFF has found that you know, yards per out run above expected target rate, yards per out run adjusted for personnel, right? How are you, you know, you know, age adjusted yards per out run or younger players dominating the power five for offensive tackles. It's pass, you know, pass sets where you remove RPO screens and play action. How are they performing? How often are they allowing pressure and those types of things? Defensive tackles. It's the same thing, right? Are you creating pressure? on straight dropbacks? Are you creating pressure when RPOs and screens are removed? So it's looking at all these different things and trying to identify what's more predictive going from college to the NFL and trying to isolate a lot of variables, right? You can isolate how often is this receiver targeted in the red zone over the course of his career. You look at Drake London this year, he's forced more missed tackles on receptions at a higher rate than any uh, wide receiver in this class. Like how does that show up in the NFL and all that kind of stuff? So I was looking at this draft board that interested me on your Twitter and it was like your final uh, 2022 NFL draft top 32, the big board um, Mm -hmm. versus the athletic consensus board. So uh, when you see something here, like it says the um, average, I guess, versus the the consensus, the um, the rate that you have Austin Gale, I guess that's you AG versus consensus. When you have like a green number, for instance, I'll take um, Sky Moore on this list. Sky yeah. Moore has like a 32 and it's green over the average or athletic rank, I think was uh, 57. You put mm-hmm. him at 32. So how do you arrive at the differences in those numbers? Is it based off of your stats? 
A lot of it is is production, right? Are, are they, you know, there's, I think there's a handful of things that go into like player evaluation for college, right? I think it's a film grade, right? <clears throat> Just turning on the film, throw the data out the window and see, you know, you know, highlight what you see and the type of skill set he has. There's a measurables grade, right? How big is he? How long are his arms? What's his weight? What's his speed? Change of direction. Then I think there is a production grade, right? Was he productive? You know, Sky Moore specifically, was he productive at Western Michigan? How early was he productive in his career? And then I think there can be, if you are in the NFL, an intangibles grade. And I've had an opportunity to talk to Sky Moore and I feel really good about like his demeanor and all that kind of stuff. And you factor all those stuff, all those things in. And that puts you, you know, where he is on your board. And obviously with that consensus board, I'm a lot higher on Sky Moore than the media is consensus wise. And I think you know, why the media is a bit lower is he has a shorter receiver. He's under six foot, but I like his 31 inch arms. He's got a 97 percentile 10 yard split and he's 195 pounds. So I'm not super concerned about the size, maybe as much as other media is. And I think the other reason he's down boards is because he doesn't play in the power five, right? He's a group of five player coming out of Western Michigan. And oftentimes, you know, power five players are more valued. He didn't get an opportunity to play at the senior bowl, where I think mm -hmm. if he did, more people would be talking about him as this first rounder. So, um, you know, that's where I'm ultimately at with Sky Moore. It's, it's, he, it's a combination of all those things. It's never just one number one data point or whatever it is. Uh, what player are you most excited to see next year going into 2022? As far as a professional, not in the draft. Yeah. Hard, hard to not say Aiden Hutchinson, right? Number one overall player on the board. He's a guy that has, you know, obviously a lot of high expectations, whether he goes to the Jags at one, Lions at two, could go to maybe Houston three. I think he's a lot to be a top five pick. And, you know, a lot of, he's a weird athletic profile, right? Six foot seven, 260. 99th percentile three cone, you know, high percentile short shuttle, good 10 yard split. I think it's a one, six, one, 10 yard split, shorter arms for the position, despite being six foot seven, which will concern teams. I think it's under 10 percentile, but it's also a guy that like from a hands perspective and technique perspective is very similar to the Bosa brothers. And then he wins with his hands. He can attack half the man and all that stuff. I'll, I'll be interested to see how he and the rest of these edge defenders perform because they've been a hotly contested race. Aiden from Michigan, Kayvon Thibodeau of Oregon, uh, Trayvon Walker, Georgia, George Karloftis, Purdue, all those guys on my board are top 10 players. So seeing how they all pan out, starting with Aiden, I think will be probably what I'm most looking forward to. Who's been the most fascinating player in the NFL that you've had the opportunity to grade and analyze? In the NFL? Hmm. Yeah. I think it's, I think, I think Cooper Cup comes to mind just oh. because someone that was doubted coming out does not have like the athletic profile, maybe that you covet at the position was not a super fast player coming out of Eastern Washington and how he's developed into one of the league's best receivers, I think has been pretty phenomenal. I think Justin Jefferson is very similar, right? At LSU, he played a lot in slot and you know you weren't sure how he was going to project as an outside receiver. Now he's like one of the best young receivers in the NFL too. So I think I'm learning a lot about like receiver scouting and, and what projects to the NFL and how those you know, roles project to the NFL. I think those two players over the last few years have been surprising uh, in a good way. Okay. So my last question for you is just because I wanted to wrap my mind around it one more time. When let's say you take Cooper cup, right? Is the same person actually going through and, and giving the analysis to uh, add to Cooper cups numbers throughout the season, or is it spread out amongst the staff? Definitely spread out amongst the staff. We don't like to have the, you know, the same human beings grading the same teams, right? We want to like remove people of bias and all that stuff. We do, um, you know, it's a triple blind process where the first person doesn't get to see what the second person says about the grades. The second person doesn't get to see what the third person sees about the grades. So that way there is some form of objectivity, right? Because, you know, it could be, you know, bias could creep into the data if, you know, you have a Bucks fan grading the Bucks and all that kind of stuff. But it's definitely not like the case because, you know, we have so many different people doing it 
And then even a fourth person in the quality control group, like looking things over and, and seeing how people differ and all that kind of stuff. It's, a not, it's definitely something that's been an ongoing improving process, but one that we like really, really want to make sure bias doesn't creep into. And PFF grades have fascinated me for years. I'm so glad you kind of took the opportunity here to break this down for me. Hopefully I can get you on maybe again. We can go deeper into it because like I, I could sit here for another 20 minutes and talk to you, but I know that your time is precious. So I appreciate every uh, second that you've given me here today, Austin. Thank you so much for the time. And if you would like, let everybody know where to find you on social media and uh, what else may project wise you might be working on. Absolutely. I really appreciate the time as well. This has been fantastic. You can follow me on Twitter at PFF underscore Austin Gale. You can also check out all the work that we do at PFF.com. Well, thank you so much again. Best of luck to you in the coming season and uh, a great, great luck with all the draft and all those grades as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. That'll do it for this episode of Takeaways on the Vegas Nation podcast. Again, we have podcasts three times a week, so make sure to check all of those out. You have Unsportsmanlike Conduct every Friday with Adam Hill and Ed Graney and also First and 10. So get on in there, hit subscribe. Make sure to check out all of our work at VegasNation.com. Again, thanks to our sponsor, Station Casinos. Download that mobile app, STN Sports. Thanks again, everybody, so much for listening. I'll be back next week.